Section 36 of Library of the World's Best Mystery and Detective Stories, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Library of the World's Best Mystery and Detective Stories, Volume 6, by Julian Hawthorne, Editor. Section 36, A Conjurer's Confession, Part 4, by Monsieur Robert Rodin. Facing the Arab's Pistol The severest trial of all was unexpectedly encountered during a visit paid by the conjurer and his wife to Bu Alam ben Sharifa, Bashaga of the Jandal, a tribe of the desert interior. We entered a small room, very elegantly decorated, in which were two divans. This, our host said, is the room reserved for guests of distinction. You can go to bed when you like, but if you are not tired, I would ask your leave to present to you several chief men of my tribe, who, having heard of you, wish to see you. Let them come in, I said after consulting Madame Hodin. We will receive them with pleasure. The interpreter went out, and soon brought in a dozen old men, among whom were a marabou and several talibs, whom the Bash Aga appeared to hold in great deference. They sat down in a circle on carpets, and kept up a very lively conversation about my performances at Algeria. This learned society discussed the probability of the marvels related by the chief of the tribe who took great pleasure in depicting his impressions and those of his co-religionists at the sight of the miracles i had performed each lent an attentive ear to these stories and regarded me with a species of veneration the marabout alone displayed a degree of scepticism and asserted that the spectators had been duped by what he called a vision jealous of my reputation as a french sorcerer I thought I must perform before the unbeliever a few tricks as a specimen of my late performance. I had the pleasure of astounding my audience, but the marabout continued to offer me a systematic opposition, by which his neighbors were visibly annoyed. The poor fellow did not suspect, though, what I had in store for him. My antagonist wore in his sash a watch, the chain of which hung outside. I believe I have already mentioned a certain talent I possess of filching a watch, a pin, a pocket-book, etc., with a skill by which several of my friends have been victimized. I was fortunately born with an honest and upright heart, or this peculiar talent might have led me too far. When I felt inclined for a joke of this nature, I turned it to profit in a conjuring trick or waited till my friend took leave of me, and then recalled him. Stay, I would say, handing him the stolen article. Let this serve as a lesson to put you on your guard against persons less honest than myself. But to return to our marabou, I had stolen his watch as I passed near him, and slipped into its place a five-franc piece. To prevent his detecting it, and while waiting till I could profit by my larceny, I improvised a trick. After juggling away Bo Alam's rosary, I made it pass into one of the numerous slippers left at the door by the guests. 
this shoe was next found to be full of coins and to end this little scene comically i made five franc pieces come out of the noses of the spectators they took such pleasure in this trick that i fancied i should never terminate it durus durus they shouted as they twitched their noses i willingly acceded to their request and the durus gold arabic coins issued at command the delight was so great that several arabs rolled on the ground this coarsely expressed joy on the part of the mohammedans was worth frenzied applause to me i pretended to keep aloof from the marabou who as i expected remained serious and impassive when calm was restored my rival began speaking hurriedly to his neighbors as if striving to dispel their illusion and not succeeding he addressed me through the interpreter you will not deceive me in that way he said with a crafty look why so because i don't believe in your power ah indeed well then if you do not believe in my power i will compel you to believe in my skill neither in one nor the other i was at this moment the whole length of the room from the marabout stay i said to him you see this five-franc piece yes close your hand firmly for the piece will go into it in spite of yourself i'm ready the arab said in an incredulous voice as he held out his tightly closed fist i took the piece at the end of my fingers so that the assembly might all see it then feigning to throw it at the marabout it disappeared at the word pass my man opened his hand and finding nothing in it shrugged his shoulders as if to say you see i told you so i was well aware the piece was not there but it was important to draw the marabout's attention momentarily from the sash and for this purpose i employed the feint that does not surprise me i replied for i threw the piece with such strength that it went right through your hand and has fallen into your sash being afraid i might break your watch by the blow i called it to me here it is and i showed him the watch in my hand the marabout quickly put his hand in his waist-belt to assure himself of the truth and was quite stupefied at finding the five-franc piece the spectators were astounded some among them began telling their beads with a vivacity evidencing a certain agitation of mind but the marabout frowned without saying a word and i saw he was spelling over some evil design i now believe in your supernatural power he said you are a real sorcerer hence i hope you will not fear to repeat here a trick you performed in your theatre and offering me two pistols he held concealed beneath his burnous he added come choose one of these pistols we will load it and i will fire at you you have nothing to fear as you can ward off all blows i confess i was for a moment staggered i sought a subterfuge and found none all eyes were fixed upon me and a reply was anxiously awaited the marabout was triumphant bu alam being aware that my tricks were only the result of skill was angry that his guest should be so pestered hence he began reproaching the marabout i stopped him however for an idea had occurred to me which would save me from my dilemma at least temporarily then addressing my adversary 
you are aware i said with assurance that i require a talisman in order to be invulnerable and unfortunately i have left mine at alger the marabout began laughing with an incredulous air still i continued i can by remaining six hours at prayers do without the talisman and defy your weapon to-morrow morning at eight o'clock i will allow you to fire at me in the presence of these arabs who were witnesses of your challenge though alum astonished at such a promise asked me once again if this offer were serious and if he should invite the company for the appointed hour on my affirmative they agreed to meet before the stone bench in the market-place i did not spend my night at prayers as may be supposed but i employed about two hours in ensuring my invulnerability then satisfied with the result i slept soundly for i was terribly tired by eight the next morning we had breakfasted our horses were saddled and our escort was awaiting the signal for our departure which would take place after the famous experiment none of the guests were absent and indeed a great number of arabs came in to swell the crowd the pistols were handed me i called attention to the fact that the vents were clear and the marabout put in a fair charge of powder and drove the wad home among the bullets produced i chose one which i openly put in the pistol and which was then also covered with paper the arab watched all these movements for his honour was at stake we went through the same process with the second pistol and the solemn moment arrived solemn indeed it seemed to everybody to the spectators who were uncertain of the issue to madame houdin who had in vain besought me to give up this trick for she feared the result and solemn also to me for as my new trick did not depend on any of the arrangements made at alger i feared an error an act of treachery i knew not what still i posted myself at fifteen paces from the sheikh without evincing the slightest emotion the marabout immediately seized one of the pistols and on my giving the signal took a deliberate aim at me the pistol went off and the ball appeared between my teeth more angry than ever my rival tried to seize the other pistol but i succeeded in reaching it before him you could not injure me i said to him but you shall now see that my aim is more dangerous than yours look at that wall i pulled the trigger and on the newly whitewashed wall appeared a large patch of blood exactly at the spot where i had aimed the marabout went up to it dipped his finger in the blood and raising it to his mouth convinced himself of the reality when he acquired this certainty his arms fell and his head was bowed on his chest as if he were annihilated it was evident that for the moment he doubted everything even the prophet the spectators raised their eyes to heaven muttered prayers and regarded me with a species of terror this scene was a triumphant termination to my performance i therefore retired leaving the audience under the impression i had produced we took leave of beau alum and his son and set off at the gallop 
the trick i have just described though so curious is easily prepared i will give a description of it while explaining the trouble it took me as soon as i was alone in my room i took out of my pistol case without which i never travel a bullet mould i took a card bent up the four edges and thus made a sort of trough in which i placed a piece of wax taken from one of the candles when it was melted i mixed with it a little lamp-black i had obtained by putting the blade of a knife over the candle and then ran this composition in the bullet mould had i allowed the liquid to get quite cold the ball would have been full and solid but in about ten seconds i turned the mould over and the portions of the wax not yet set ran out leaving a hollow ball in the mould this operation is the same as that used in making tapers the thickness of the outside depending on the time the liquid has been left in the mould i wanted a second ball which i made rather more solid than the other and this i filled with blood and covered the orifice with a lump of wax an irishman had once taught me the way to draw blood from the thumb without feeling any pain and i employed it on this occasion to fill my bullet bullets thus prepared bear an extraordinary resemblance to lead and are easily mistaken for that metal when seen at a short distance off with this explanation the trick will be easily understood after showing the leaden bullet to the spectators i changed it for my hollow ball and openly put the latter into the pistol by pressing the wad tightly down the wax broke into small pieces and could not touch me at the distance i stood at the moment the pistol was fired i opened my mouth to display the lead bullet i held between my teeth while the other pistol contained the bullet filled with blood which bursting against the wall left its imprint though the wax had flown to atoms it is no wonder that after such exhibitions robert houdin's success was complete the arabs lost all confidence in marabout miracles and thus a dangerous smouldering flame of disaffection to the french was entirely smothered editor end of section thirty six read by lars rolander